श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए को भक्तवृंद की जाए को प्रेम आनंद so we gather on the evening of the appearance day of Jiva Goswami here at Madhuvan, lotus feet of Dalji Gopal and our Guru Parampara. Disappearance. Disappearance? Tirubhav. Not appearance, but disappearance. That's fine. And I spoke earlier this year, not too long ago, I think, uh, back in September on the appearance day, so maybe some repetition, but um, repetition, of a good, repetition of a good thing is probably a good thing. Um, <laughs> so uh, the topic is certainly good, I should say. Sri Goswami is a very important acharya in our sampradaya. Achar, achar means behavior, so one who teaches by, by behavior, his behavior was very extraordinary and uh, exemplary. And, um, of course, his literary contribution was also extraordinary. Prabhupada once made the comment that the first business of the Acharya is to make a literary contribution. Of course, we find that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the founder or Acharya of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, didn't make really much of a, a literary contribution. He is said to have penned eight verses, the Shikshastakam. A couple others are attributed to them, to him here and there. And uh, Sri Rupa Goswami has recorded those eight verses of his sh- the famous Shikshastakam in his Padyavali, but not in uh, any order, as if they were given in order and written in that way in a book. It was Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami who much later, at the very end of Chaitanya Charitamrita, to put them in an order and really, in effect, gave a commentary to them. <clears throat> so... Um, that comparatively uh, is not much of a literary contribution for the founder, Acharya, if you will, of our Sampradaya, comparative, that is, comparative to Ramanuja or Shankar or Madhva and so forth of other Sampradayas that uh, distinguished them uh, as such, as Acharyas and founders of lineages and so on and so forth. Um, but, of course, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made a great emphasis on teaching by uh, example, and the precept speaks, or example speaks louder than precept, and um, and he gave birth, so to speak, to a, a whole host of successor acharyas who wrote prolifically about what he was about, uh, the significance of his appearance, and so forth. And uh, among them, Jiva Goswami is the most prolific. Hmm? Uh, some say he wrote something like 400,000 verses. That's uh, uh, the only one of the legendary authors of the sacred Hindu text who would have, if that's true, have composed more verses would be Vyas himself. And uh, his work is uh, voluminous and considered to be the most voluminous body of literature on on uh, on earth. So uh, he was exemplary in his character and he was uh, also a, uh, a huge uh, con- 
contributor from a literary point of view. He was one, is one of the legendary six Gosamis of Vrindavan as they have come to be known, Shirup Sanatan, Bhatta Raghunath, Shijiba Gopal Bhatta, Das Raghunath, Das uh, Raghunath Das, Raghunath Bhatta, Gopal Bhatta, Jiva Goswami, Rupa, Sanatana Goswami. These are the, are the six hailing as they did from different parts of India. Um, they assembled in, in uh, Vrindavan to one extent, extent or another. Hmm? This became the, the capital, if you will, if you will of the, the, the literary legacy of the Chaitanya Sampradaya. And all of them had the personal darshan of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, save and accept, uh, it appears, for Jiva Goswami himself, who was the youngest of them. Hmm? Jiva Goswami appeared in the world mm, maybe about well, the 16th century, maybe about 1513, and um, till about the end of that century. And uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu disappeared in the world for maybe around 1520, 30 something, maybe 20 years later, 33, 34, something like that. So about 21 years later. <clears throat> and uh, his, uh, his brother, or, or excuse me, his father, Sri Balava Malik, was um, living in Ramkeli in West Bengal. <clears throat> along with his two brothers, elder brothers, Rupa and Sanatan. And um, <clears throat> they, all three of them, left home. We heard, in fact, this morning, Kali Yuge, uh, Sakshitar, Sri Dhabirkas. Kali Yuge, Sri Vrindavan Das Thakur, was making a point with regard to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's defeat of the Digbijai Pandit, the great Digbijai, the big conqueror of all directions. Digbijai, it means he conquered all directions, Digbijai, with his scholarship. So he would go all over India, as was the custom, and debate. Um, and uh, so he came to Navadvip, which was famous for its pedantry, scholarship, and so forth. And the young Nimai Pandit, as you know, was absorbed in that uh, at that time and not yet manifesting himself as a Vaishnav. Hmm? Everyone liked him except the Vaishnavas. They liked him, but they, they weren't supposed to like him because he was uh, knowledgeable but wasting his life because real knowledge was constitutes serving Krishna. And Krishna himself, of course, says that Rajavidyam, and Rajaguhyam, in the ninth chapter of the Gita, where the secret of the text is hidden in the middle, like you would put your secrets in the middle of the book and hide them there. It's 18 chapters. This is the ninth chapter. He says, Rajavidya, Rajaguhyam. I'm going to tell you the king of knowledge and the most secret of secrets. And what is that? That bhakti, to me, service to me, that's the be-all and end-all of knowledge. That's a that's a secret. Who could have figured that out? So he says it himself. 
So the Vaishnavas, of course, were much absorbed in this idea, and uh, Dvaita was widely uh, preaching this from Bhagavad Gita and Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Nimai Pandit, as he was known at the time, was uh, not paying much attention to Vaishnavism. That's why we heard when the goddess Saraswati revealed to the Digvijay Pandit that he was uh, Bhagavan Brahman, Param Brahman himself, he was told, don't tell this to anybody. It's not time yet. It's in time he would manifest and so forth. So he's Leela. So at any rate, speaking about the, uh, the how the association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu hmm, could cause one to very easily uh, give up the things that are most uh, valuable in the world, wealth, the position, hmm, uh, attachment to uh, wife and husband and the like and so forth. Uh, all these things can be easily um, retired by the power of his association. Digvijay Pandit was the example and and uh, Arbindavan Das Thakur said, Kali Yuge Sakshidhar Shitabirkas. Dabirkas is the name of Rupa Goswami before Chaitanya Mahaprabhu named him Rupa. Hmm. And um, he is the uncle, one of the two, uh, Sanatan being the other, Rupa Sanatan, uncles of Jiva Goswami, whose father again, as I say, was Sri Balaba, all three of which, the uncle, two uncles and the father, left home at an early age to follow Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, hmm, who was rippling through uh, Bengal and uh, Puri in South India with his uh, message uh, waves of, 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 of love of God inundating different areas and, uh, and, and uh, um, flooding the minds and hearts of, of, of well-known people hmm? um, which caused his reputation to, to swell. Hmm? And so they wanted to join him. There was some correspondence. They were entangled, Rupa Sanatana, particularly the uncles of Jiva Goswami, in the in the uh, government service of Nawab Hussein Sah. Nawab Hussein Sah, and who was, was a very powerful um, um, Muslim ruler that conquered all of Bengal. And um, there's a nice story of how he enlisted them in his service. Uh, um, I might have told it before, but recently, uh, I don't know if I'll be able to remember all the details, but basically the Nuabu Saints, I was building some kind of shrine for himself or something like that, and and um, what did he want? He wanted to, he asked his lead uh, construction person some, some question, and... Um, and um, I don't know, he didn't know the answer or something like that. He was about to be beheaded and he was given an opportunity to go f- figure out the answer or something. And he he he, he just kind of wanted to escape, but I guess he met Rup Sanatan. They were young. And um, they asked him where he'd come from. And they could see his mind was troubled. And he, was, and they, he told what the situation was and they answered his question. And that was given back to Nawab Hussain. So he went back triumphantly. I got the answer. And 
So anyway, he found out that it had come from these, these the young Rupa Sanatana, so he said, I want them in my administration. Hmm? They had been living in Ram Kali and making it like a like a novo Vrindavan, like a new Vrindavan. Hmm? Making a kund for Radhakund and a hill for Govardhan, and so they were living in... But uh, so they became, they do. They were very um, learned, uh, scholarly Brahmins. Uh, they were very um, socially very um, well integrated uh, people, uh, very desirable. And the king gave them positions like cabinet members, so much so that when he would go off on conquests, they would be in charge of the entire government. So they were well situated and wealthy. And uh, and Vrindavan Das said this morning that we read that in Kali Yuga the best example of how this a little association of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu can cause one to just give up immediately hmm? wealth and power, fame and so forth, position in society. The best example is Davya Kas. Hmm? But if, what a dear uh, statement for those of us who have some feeling for. Rupa Goswami, to see Vrindavan Das choose this example, he, he knew how the heart of Rupa Goswami was affected by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu on the one hand, hmm, to the extent that so re- re- easily he gave up everything and became mendicant, walking just barefooted throughout India. And it was Narutam Thakur who later said, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Vishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale. So I am Rupakatam, I am Dadati Swahapadantikam. Oh, if I could know the heart of Rupa Goswami, when will, when will I be blessed such that, 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 that uh, the conception of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that is fully formed in the heart of Rupa Goswami becomes my heart as well. So on the one hand, he was very readily uh, able to give up a, a position that's, that people would, would die for. Hmm. Uh, practically, materially speaking. And not only was he able to give that up, but his heart was so much taken by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so attentive he was to what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was about, that it became filled with the conception of all that the fullest measure of what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's descent was about. It was in Puri later on, in Jagannath Puri, during the Ratha Yatra. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was singing a song from Kavya Prakash, which is a secular a uh, book on poetics and drama. Hmm? Um, and he, he cited this uh, verse from there. It's kind of like a, uh, a verse, uh, like a, kind of like a secular love song. And he was singing it in the Rathiatra. <laughs> and people wonder, what's the sannyasi doing? He's singing a you know, secular song, love song. It's like, you know, singing a a pop song or something, you know, during the Arctic or something. People, they throw you out on your on your ear. But Rupa Goswami knew what he, he was able to he think of the song and think of it in a spiritual way. So he wrote his own verse in Sanskrit explaining what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was thinking, which was about the union of Radha, the separation and union of Radha and Krishna and Vrindavan and so forth, which is what Ratha Yatra was about. He tacked that verse on his hut in Jagannath Puri, and when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu saw it, he became embarrassed. Hmm. How did he know that? How has he understood my heart? Hmm. So uh, it's very touching to hear Vrindavan Das mention him as the example of, of someone touched by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and how 
they would leave the kingdom entirely. And of course, the implication is, I'm saying, and, 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 and more. Hmm? So Rupa had left and Sanatan had left and there's a long story of their uh, uh, plight, especially Sanatan Goswami's, uh, was jailed and so forth. And, and so this, anyway, example was there for the young Jiva Goswami. His father also left, Sri Balaba, hmm? um, all following uh, the teachings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Jiva was left at home as a young Lad had said he, Bhakti Ratnakar records that he had a dream of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were calling as well. He wanted to know about his elders and where they had gone. And Mother said, oh, you know, they became sannyasis and, and so forth. Then he asked, how do you become a sannyasi? He said, oh, you're very difficult. You have to wear the orca, the, the, the saffron cloth and shave your head. And, and uh, that would really cause one to, well, to be uh, to leave the society and so forth. So he came back the next morning or that afternoon with a shaved head and was a young lad wearing the cloth. And she did not take him so seriously, but he was quite serious. And uh, it was shortly thereafter that he uh, left home as well. He was, as I say, the youngest of the Goswamis. And it doesn't appear from all the texts of the time the many authors, I mean, the, the, the body of literateurs, po- poets and uh, musicians and artisans, uh, authors and so forth, and learned people, pundits, cubbies, that have written, wrote about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is, is considerable. There are something like 64 principal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that are sometimes singled out, and I think some 50 of them were... were uh, uh, like um, you know, Pulitzer Prize winner type of uh, people, hmm? journalists, authors, thinkers, uh, um, and of course r- religious people and so forth. So they made a huge contribution of, of, of uh, to the world of literature about him, histories and and uh, philosophy, theology, and and uh, poems about him, songs about him, and so forth. Uh, was, he was causing quite a, a commotion. Hmm? And uh, so these Rups and Atan and the Goswami, they were caught up in this. As the other Goswamis, Gopal Bhatta from the south, Indi Raghunath Bhatta from Banares, the son of, of, uh, of uh, Atapan Mishra. Hmm? Um, and... Raghunath Bhatta Gopal Bhatta Vidam is a Das Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, you can't forget him, he came from Bengal, of course. He was the one one of the six who didn't come from a Brahmin family. Hmm? He came from the Sudravarna, and um, of course he is considered to be the Prayojan Tattvacharya. The books that he wrote were all about Leela and entering into the Leela, books like Manjali and so forth, where he enters into the Leela and he comes back and writes about it. And very extraordinary contribution he made. So anyway, amongst them, Jiva Goswami, the youngest, and uh, while his elders had gone to Vrindavan, all of these sadhus at one point assembled in Vrindavan. You can imagine what the Sangha was like, what kind of commotion they were making themselves. Indeed, they, they got, the Goswamis, they got the patronage of, of many, many kings throughout India, which wasn't a consolidated 
uh, country as we know it today, but various kingdoms and so forth. And it became such that uh, if you were a king and you didn't have a temple in Vrindavan, you hadn't built a, a god or a, 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 a place to commemorate a pastime of Krishna, the Goswamis had pointed out this happened here, or this happened there by their vision, their bhava being projected on the on 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 Vrindavan was honored by the kings. And if you didn't have something like that, you were you were nobody. You know, it's like what kind of artwork you have. It's not how much money you have at a certain point, but how you spend it and so forth. So if you didn't have a temple for your Rani, for your queen in Vrindavan to worship there yourself, you were a nobody. So they they were very much movers and shakers of the time. They weren't just um, uh, on the fringe of the society. They were in the mainstream of Hindu uh, and uh, Muslim society and making uh, making waves, if you will. Hmm? Um, and the, they're, they're the driving impetus, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who I've compared at other times to a great waterfall of ecstasy about which they wrote, turning it into a lake that one could approach, drink from, bathe in, and uh, take advantage of, and so forth. And amongst them, as I say, Shijiva was the most uh, prolific of the authors. He um, he left home and he went to Navadweep, and um, which is also in West Bengal. This is the birthplace of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And there he met the other self of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Sri Nitananda Prabhu. Hmm? Balaram, as, as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna. Nitananda Prabhu is the uh, incarnation of Ram, hmm? Balaram, or Ram himself, Nitananda Ram. And um, he went, Bhakti Ratnakar records on the Parikrama, around circumambulation of the Dham and honoring the different places of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. A custom that's carried on to this day, during the, the month of March, well, devotees will come from all over the world, all the different monasteries will have some pilgrimage and go around the Dham, camping out and making a festival for this place and speaking about the pastime that took place here and then to Kirtan all the way to the next one and like this, they spend a month like that or at least a week going to various places. So this was begun by Jiva Goswami who was taken by the hand of Nityananda Prabhu and shown these places and then um, sent by the by Nityananda Prabhu, not a scholar, um, to uh, to Banaras, seat of learning, Kashi, the place of learning, uh, to be schooled by Madhusudan Vachaspati, who was a disciple of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya, who by then had been uh, Sarvabhoma, who had been converted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu with Jagannath Puri, which is a huge event in the subcontinent of, uh, of India, a huge event. Uh, Sarbhum Bhattacharya is the, is, the, is the biggest logician of, of Indian history. He became a disciple of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So his disciple, Madhusudan Vachaspati, taught Jiva Goswami, uh, schooled him in the Saddarshan, the Naya, Visheshika, uh, karma mimamsa vedanta and so forth yoga patanjali all these different what were were the philosophies of the time that were current hmm? so he became well schooled in that and sanskrit and so forth and then from there 
So that that's the city of dying, of course, uh, Kashi, where everyone dies. So I mean, people who say you want to die, you go to Kashi. That's where they have an eternal uh, fire. Hmm? It's always lit, and any and, and there are all these cremation ghats along the bank of the Ganges, and anyone who's cremated there, the fire is started for their cremation by the coals from that one fire that's always been burning. Is the idea? Hmm? It's a place of dying, and it's a place of learning, which the two of which go together. If you learn about dying, you learn about living. Hmm? <laughs> so um, he went there. He learned. Hmm? about dying, I guess. He learned about living, and then he learned, went to Vrindavan to learn about loving. Hmm? And there he resided uh, with uh, Shijiva Gosami, Rupa Gosami, Sanatana Gosami. He was an initiated disciple of his uncle, Rupa Gosami. And um, he, of course, being the youngest of the six Goswamis, outlived the others and became, after their uh, departure from the world, the um, the Siksha Guru, the instructing guru for all of the Gaudi and Oriya Vaishnavas from from Bengal, from Orissa, and so forth. So, if there was ever any question about some point of philosophy that that uh, they needed to consult for higher authority, Jiva Goswami was the was the uh, the final word, hmm? um, and. Initiating gurus would often send the disciples to Vrindavan to be schooled under Rupa Goswami, the famous Narottam, Srinivas, and Shamananda, another another next generation of um, Vaishnavas who were very prominent, all were schooled by Jiva Goswami in uh, Vrindavan. So uh, he made a great, uh, as I say, contribution, literary contribution. His example was uh, extraordinary. <clears throat> and... Um, his name is worth discussing. Jeev, of course, means life. And uh, as much as life in Vedanta and Hinduism in general really is um, about the Atma, as much as the Atma, or the unit of consciousness that we are, is um, identified with matter, it's, it's kind of dead to itself and its potential, it is the life. It's what it, that it is that which animates matter, and that atma's uh, being being life in the in in the, uh, in the real sense of the term. I mean, there's life not being biological, hmm? uh, on in its uh, basis. Material life has a biological aspect and so forth, but all of that is thought to be uh, turned on in some way. Um, by consciousness, people are looking, but where, how, where is the connection, and so forth. But they have to understand the nature of atma. Hmm? You know, you're looking for a connection, as if it would be material, hmm? but it's not. So you have to think uh, differently. It's a witness by witnessing. Hmm? It, it it animates the whole thing. It doesn't even really participate in a sense. It witnesses. It, it just as Vishnu, it's compared to Vishnu's glancing. He glances at it. Hmm? If I had the power to glance and cause something to happen, you know, it would be difficult to trace it out. So the glance of consciousness that animates the world and is the idea. Um, uh, so all the looking for it, it you know, if, if 
there was something consciousness that was called was causal, we should be able to trace it out. That whole premise, that whole idea, is based on the idea that it will function in the same way that material or physical forces will function. But that's, um, from our point of view, the wrong way to look at it. Just like I've said, often there's a one of the one of the one of the unanswered questions of science, and one of the most prominent ones, I think it's second on the list, is what is the biological um, makeup of consciousness? And we would say, wrong question. <laughs> um, it's a biased way of looking at it. It should be, is there a biological makeup to consciousness? Why presume that it's biological and then go after it like that and try to find it and, uh, and, and be as troubled as the scientific community is in, in trying to find that. That's why, from our point of view, you, you can't find it. You won't, it's not biological. Hmm? It, it turns on the, the biology it, it, and animates the, the whole affair, but um, it's independent. And so, so jiva, jiva means jivatma. Hmm? And we combine the jiva and atma, that means life, the, the soul. To use a, a Christian uh, term, it's probably not the best term to use because Christianity, the idea of the soul is a little bit unsure whether it's, it might be biological <laughs> in some Christian sects. For uh, uh, the Platonic view of it, Plato, which is also embraced by some Christians, is uh, is more akin to the Vedanta idea than the Aristotelian view of the, of the soul. Hmm. Both of these influences of the Greeks is kind of has influenced the, uh, Christianity's thinking about the soul, which isn't really much of a subject in the Bible. Interestingly enough. Hmm. Uh, not in any detail. The, na- you know, the Gita is, of course, full of uh, verses about the nature of the, of the Atman. It's not like this, it's not like that, it's so on and so forth. So, anyway, life is the Atma, so Jiva means life, Jivatma, we use the term readily to uh, speak about ourselves, Jivatma. Hmm? And the Jivatma is an individual soul. Hmm? In the Advaita Vedanta, there, the, the idea that there is an individual soul is thought to be an illusion. There's one soul, and individuality is, is thought to be part of the illusion of material uh, existence. Hmm? If you take a clay pot and you put earth inside, you have individual earth. If you break the pot, hmm? you see there's no individual. This kind of idea they have. So our individuality is is thought to be uh, illusory. In uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, however, we we think that there is an illusory identity that's formed on the basis of our uh, identification with matter. That hmm? causes us to think I'm American or uh, North American, Latin American, this, that, or the other thing. Um, but there's there 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 is an individual that's doing the thinking and. Uh, and the misconceiving and so forth. And at the same time, that individual jiva is not different. Hmm. 
than the than the than its source than 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 Brahman, inasmuch as it has no independence. It's a it's a it's a it's a shakti hmm? of, uh, of 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 Brahman hmm? of Krishna, and it has no independent existence. So it's like God exists along with shaktis, powers. By which various things are accomplished, and so on. We are constituted of one of those shaktis, and of course, when we rise above the duality of material existence, the good and bads, and so forth, of our minds, and uh, become freed from the the conventional ego of I'm male, female, black, white, and so forth, um, then uh, we. We do that in bhakti in the context of cultivating love for Bhagawan, hmm? and um, the exploitation and the meanness of the world that is a, a natural result of identifying with matter as we have, because that brings needs to us that they're not really inherent in the Atma. The Atma has no such needs for things. We develop a sense of needs for things, and in order to get them, well, there's the struggle for existence is there. Hmm? Uh, so in Gaudi Vaishnavism, we overcome the struggle for existence by loving, hmm? and there is a, 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 a retiring of this meanness and this um, life of exploitation and so forth, but that retiring of the life of exploitation is not at the cost of the individuality of the self hmm? and the prospect for loving in the power of yom in, in transcendence. And so that, and love, of course, is a unity as much as it's a difference at the same time. Hmm? And so that individual jiva realizes its unity with Bhagawan. It's just like, to say, like, you and I are one. Ari Lee and Ali and I are one. We want the same things. We're for the same thing. We're so to be one with the will, if you will, of God. Something like that is a oneness that leaves enough difference hmm, for you to be there and have interaction and so forth. So this is the idea that Jiva Goswami taught, and he coined the phrase that has become the name by which our school of Vedanta is known. Achintya Beda Beda. We find Beda Beda uh, penned by Sanatana Goswami in his Priya Bhagavatamrita, which is the seminal book, the, the first book of our Sampradaya. He uses the term Beda Beda, but Jiva Goswami added the word Achintya. Inconceivable unity and difference, identity and difference, oneness and difference at the same time. That's a big topic, what all that means, but in a very basic sense, in terms of what we're talking about it today, it means that Bhagawan is one, there's only God, but he has but to say, what is God? What is the God? It includes the Shaktis. Hmm? The Shaktis are not different. There's not a devil out there who's separate or something like that. Hmm? It's all, so it's a pantheistic, but a, more than that, a panentheistic idea, to use a, a Christian um, or not, a philosophical, a theological term. Some Christians will... Uh, uh, will consider panentheism to be uh, a, um, a heresy, but there are some Christians who do, and they're mystic Christians, like, who's that German fellow? Eck? Eckenkar. 
Eckhart, Meister Eckhart, was a panentheist. I don't know if he was excommunicated for it or not. Um, but, um, and there are some others even in, t- 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 in today's world. Um, so that means that the God is the world. That's pantheism. That's kind of a, a uh, what's his, the Italian guy? Spinoza. Hmm? Panentheists. Um, uh, but pan pantheist, but a panentheist, and uh, panentheist means that God is the world and beyond the world. He's both. Hmm? He is the world and he's beyond the world. People say, well, if God is the world, then then God's responsible for the faults of the world. No, he's also not the world. <laughs> and because he's not the world, he's not responsible. The, the jivas are responsible. The karma is responsible. Anyway, that's another argument, but. Uh, it's a term we can use to try to, uh, a Western term that we can invoke to try to give some idea of what we mean by achinte beta beta. It's, uh, uh, um, obviously there's much more to be said about it, but Jiva Goswami at any rate was the one who coined the phrase in his Sarvasambhadani, which is a commentary on his Tattva Sandar, which, which is the first of six treaties that he wrote on... Um, on Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm. Sandarva means like like a necklace, so uh, it's a necklace of verses from from Srimad Bhagavatam that he's the pearls that he's strung together of Srimad Bhagavatam to explain its significance. They're long treatises, very philosophical. And anyway there, as I say in his in his own commentary on it, he coined this phrase which has become um, the term by which our um, form of Vedanta is known. There's a Dvaita Vedanta of, of Shankar, which is a non-Vaishnav, a non, uh, kind of non-theistic uh, uh, form of Vedanta, although there's much talk about God there as well. Then there's Ramanuja's Vishishta Dvaita, qualified non-dualism. There's the Dvaita Dvaita of Nimbarka. There's the Shuddha Dvaita of, uh, what is his name, Sridhar Swam, uh, Vishnu Swami. Sridhar Swami came in that line, the famous ancient commentator Sridhar Swami on Bhagavatam. And the Dvaita philosophy of Vedanta, of Madhva, these are the famous schools. So you, amongst that, I've named five. Four of them are theistic and Vaishnava forms of Vedanta. Only one is the monist philosophy of Shankar. So they're all much more nuanced, if you will, the four than. And the fifth is the Chinti Beta Beta. Hmm? So anyway, Jiva Goswami, he coined the phrase and he also uh, became the kind of the Tattva Acharya. Um, we say that Rupa Goswami was the Abhideya Acharya, Sanatan Sambanda, Raghunathas Prayojan. But we refer often to Jiva Goswami as the Tattva Acharya, who, who really uh, took great pains and went to great extent to really play out the philosophy. What is the philosophy of Gaudiya Vaishnavism? So we owe a great tribute to him. Mm-hmm. And as I said, it's it's worth commenting on his name, which we 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 have been here weaving in and out. Jiva Goswami, and Jiva means life, and Jivatma is how we describe the individual self, the Jivatma. And um, that Jivatma is... 
in its identification with matter involved in a great struggle hmm, for material existence. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and there's a phrase, of, of a line, a pada line, of a verse of Bhagavatam that uh, comes to mind in this regard. Yudhisthira, or excuse me, uh, was it Yudhisthira? It was either Yudhisthira or Vidura, one of the two, speaking to, must have been Vidura, speaking to Dhritarashtra. Hmm? And Dhritarashtra was old and, uh, and his wife was actually a, uh, a, a sadhu-like hmm? and uh, very uh, spiritual. And the husband was lagging behind, uh, to say the least, uh, attached to the kingdom and wanted to stay at home with comforts and uh, and so on and so forth. And Vidura called him out like a like a dog, hmm? uh, with very harsh, uh, let us say, very um, what's that term? Uh, strong love or. Tough love, tough love, very tough love. Hmm? Vidura spoke to him, and uh, the, the word sadhu, which is uh, 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 what saints are, it's a word for saint, if you will, in Sanskrit. It also means to cut. Hmm? So cutting words, it just go in for. It means you know to turn the knife, and, and it's a heart uh, surgery that they do. Hmm? And so, a very nice example of Vidura speaking to Dhritarashtra. It's very tough love. And he's, he's describing the nature of material existence to him and how his, his attachment is so unbecoming and so on and so forth. It's a very powerful section of the Bhagavatam. It's very also Darwinian hmm, in that he says, the, uh, the, 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 those who... Uh, have no hands are food for those who have hands. Those who have two legs are food for those who have four legs. Hmm? The general rule is that the that the strong rule over the weak and jivojivasya jivanam. This is the last line of the verse. Jivojivasya jivanam. One living being is food for another. This is the harsh. This is very Darwinian. When Darwin really thought about his theory and so forth. It said that he he said that he lost all aesthetic sensibilities and so forth. And, and it was, uh, um, so it's a very harsh kind of uh, reality. Of course, we don't think that Darwinian's theory, Darwin's theory, is is comprehensive um, by any measure. But the Bhagavatam concurs with him. One living being is food for another. It's not such a pretty place. And Christianity has thought sometimes, well, the world is made by God, it's so beautiful, it's so perfect, and so forth. We look at that a little differently. Hmm? Um, it's perfect in some ways, but its perfection is partly like this. One living being is food for another. <laughs> and it's justifiable, and there's good good reason for it, and so forth, and so on. Um, but um, we don't come to, on the basis of that, the conclusion that life itself, as I said earlier, is biological. Hmm? No, we say that life is is supernatural. Hmm? It's not part of the natural world. Hmm? It turns on the natural world, and so the biology go, go, goes forward and so forth. But um, 
someone will ask, well, what's the proof of the supernatural? We would say that humility is supernatural. Humility goes against the the natural rule. I heard this uh, Richard Dawkins uh, once speaking, and he said that this this these 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 uh, acts of kind human kindness that are hard to understand when they're for a stranger, you know, for example, for your own kind, your own self, or your own, those that are attached to you, that are part of your identity, uh, in order to to tie that in somehow with some kind of social Darwinism, you really got to expand the concept of self-preservation to, to pretty extreme uh, limits, if you will. Anyway, he wasn't prepared to do that. He called it a misfiring of the brain. Hmm? The neuro—it's just a misfiring. It, you know, that's—it's because the the natural condition is is to is to dominate in order to, to to survive and so forth. And acts of kindness and humility and so forth. You, you would think in a world like that, it would be hard to survive if you acted in that way. Hmm? Um, uh, so, so the, the the reverse of that, in a sense, is you know, is 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 what I mean by uh, humility. And humility, as defined by Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, is absence of the enjoying spirit. It's a very interesting definition because the enjoying spirit uh, positions us to be the overlord of other things, which is meanness. Hmm? To see things only in terms of what they mean to us and not let them have their own identity. Hmm? They are only what they mean to me for my purposes, however mean they are. Hmm? Um, <laughs> this is you know, how we form relationships to one extent or another in this world with things and people and... Uh, <laughs> it can be mean or kind. You know, there's a spectrum on that, obviously. But if you want to make it really kind, in the full sense of the term, you have to come out yourself of the bodily conception of life, which has us uh, in this kind of meanness of taking and being the enjoyer and being the overlord. So humility's it, 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 it much is meant by that when we say uh, absence of the enjoying spirit. Mm-hmm. freedom from exploitation and so forth. This means to come out of the bodily conception of life because as much as we're in it, we are tied to exploitation. Mm-hmm. Now, bhakti is beautiful because it's an art of loving. We can learn, even in the context of our material attachments, to interact with things and people in such a way that we don't, that our interactions, even though they are somewhat on the basis of our needs, materially speaking, perceived needs, they can be spiritualized, so to speak, and um, and we can, in a very soft way, become freed from exploitation instead of just cut it off right here, stop. Um, you can marry, you can have a family, you can engage with your family in Krishna consciousness, and so on. This goes to kind of a soft way instead of just saying, that's it, you know, got to leave now, walk out here entirely, and... Um, and, and so forth. So, 
uh, very, this is the power of bhakti, of course, he's very generous and very powerful to be able to, uh, in the context of what would be conditioned life and attachment, pull us out from that. Probably would call it dovetailing, something like, like that, our material propensities in such a way that they become somewhat um, spiritualized. and So, at any rate, um, absence of the enjoying spirit, this, this kind of humility, that is supernatural, we want to say. That is, and, and that is, um, we, we see this in, in, in Jiva Goswami, people like Jiva Goswami. Um, they uh, are not takers and they have nothing for anybody to take. <laughs> they don't need anything. So you can't relate with them for taking. Hmm? They're only uh, giving. They've come out from underneath the taking. They've done it in the context of bhakti, for that matter, so they're very generous and compassionate and so forth. So that kind of example, and there are uh, you know, a number of them, these are examples of what I would say is a supernatural. People say, well, they'll, they'll still die. Hmm? I know, but they're, my point is they're living a life that is not natural, you have to understand. You can say, well, it's natural, it depends on food and, and water and, and so forth. And, but it's, it's either the whole brain is completely misfiring, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem reasonable. And if it is, it's, it's, let's let all the brains misfire because the people would be a lot nicer and a lot more self-content. And isn't that what we want in human society? And so forth. So even if you, you want to think, well, it only lasts as long as the, you know, the, the heart beats, let's go for it anyway. Hmm? It's still worth going for. Um, but of course, those who experience it say, it's, it, it, it's, it's transcending. It, I realize that I'm I am transcendent to um, the, the, the biological reality, to the natural world, and so forth. We can't prove that because it's a subjective experience, but the subjective experience has very tangible, objective results that are very desirable. Hmm? Um, even if, when they die, it's over. Hmm? Still, it's worth living your whole life to, to be like that. That's indeed what everybody's nice person is trying to be like a nice person in the full sense of the term to be to, to love to have universal compassion so forth. this cannot be arrived at by political correctness or any adjustment of the mind other than having the mind arrested by bhakti having it stopped by yoga and so forth and um, and, and 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 coming out from underneath its oppression hmm? its dictates of this is good this is bad this is happy this is sad you're this is mine, this is yours, all these ideas, these are all mental mental constructs. Hmm? So to come out from that, this is, this is, this is what spiritual discipline is about. And to have d- done so, and to stand firm on the ground as an example uh, for others, this is what I would call an example of the supernatural. Hmm? And they say, yes, such people, we will die biologically. Hmm? But uh, he reasons ill who thinks that Vaishnavs die while living still, I said, to spread the name around, something like that. Um, so, um, from their own testimony of those who have gone there, so to speak, and come back to speak about it, to entered into the samadhi, 
we will we tend to give more credibility to them and their character is very extraordinary as well so we have good reason to accept that their experience is what they say it is and we can put electrodes on their head and say it's really just these neurons misfiring this way and that way and, and so on and so forth but this kind of correlation as i've often said between brain function and and consciousness is a given in vedanta it's a given <laughs> course, depending upon the particular vehicle you have, consciousness is going to manifest to one extent or another. In an animal's body, the jiva is there, but it's not going to manifest to the point of having these these conversations about self-consciousness, uh, self-awareness, and so forth. Uh, but it's there. And there are different grades of human bodies, and so forth, and so on. So there's a correlation between brain and consciousness, but the brain doesn't cause consciousness. Hmm. So, at any rate, this uh, humility was very much uh, exemplified by Jiva Goswami. The name Jiva Goswami, it's a humble name, hmm? uh, actually. Um, but it's said that about him uh, that this same verse from Bhagavatam I cited of Yudhisthira, or of, of, of Vidura, just laying into the king, Dhritarashtra, what a fool you are, attached you are at your old age, wanting to continue with your wife. He had a hundred sons, it said, you want him, and you still want to hang on to your your wife, and your wife wants to go on and meditate and so forth, and uh, and, uh, and here you are, you just want to stay in the, in the palace with your narrow-minded uh, life of material acquisition. It's time to move on, you old dog, he called him. Huh? He gave him a kick and so forth, and He's explaining the nature of material existence. And this line, as I said, come to jiva, jiva, sajivanam. One living being is, one jiva is food for another. One living, here the jiva means life, so one living entity is food for another. It's the harsh uh, uh, struggle for existence idea that we also embrace. Um, but the Gaudias invoke this in another way. Jiva, jiva, sajivanam. This one jiva, jiva Goswami, can nourish all jivas. Hmm? One, one, one living being is food for other living, the plural living beings, others. Hmm? One, will, uh, one will be sacrificed for the living of others. Hmm? This one has sacrificed jiva in such a way that all others can live. Hmm? By, by his example, following is that can live beyond the constraints of our biological Reality. So it's a beautiful glorification of Jiva Goswami, Jiva Jiva Jivanam. What he has given alone, hmm? and the example that he set is is uh, is sufficient. If we drink deeply from that uh, that cup that he has passed to us, to um, to to uh, to live in immortality. What is that? It's like the slogan of Bharata. What is it? Tamasi ma juti gama mitam ma mamitam gamayo. Asato sat gamayo mitam ma mamitam gamayo. Tamasi ma juti gamayo. From darkness go to light. From not being go to, to being. Actually being. Not being mean material life. You're nowhere. And mrityam amamritam gamayo, from death, mrityam to amritam. Hmm? Amrit means immortality and it means 
nectar, so the, the, the analogy of the cup, metaphor, of, to drink from the cup of Jiva Goswami's example and precept as well. Hmm? The Gaudi said, this is sufficient. Hmm? This will uh, make you humble. Hmm? And take away the enjoying spirit. He was inspired by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. By seeing those who were inspired by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, this is parampara. My elders were inspired; they left. I will follow. So, through the parampara system, we see. Hmm? It's not that we think. Uh, I wish I was there. Maybe I would have been affected also. No, we follow in parampara. This thing is coming down to us. Hmm? All the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give. And when we see those that have taken advantage of it, we see their extraordinary life. Who can who can think that it was it is, that such a life is not. Um, not uh, not desirable. Hmm? So, Sri Jiva Goswami Prabhupada Ki Jai.